0: Hello and thank you for joining the New Life Baptist Church podcast. It is such a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you through this platform. And it's our desire that you would have an open heart to receive what the Lord has for you through this message. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at newlifecasagrande.com. There you'll find contact information to reach us directly, or if you're local to the Casagrande area, you'll find information to plan your first visit. If you benefit from this sermon, please share it with a friend or feel free to leave a review. Now, let's get ready to hear what God has for us today. 1
1: Kings chapter 17, the story is the story of the prophet Elijah. Now we all, uh, if we read the Bible a whole lot or listen to Bible stories and things, Elijah was the prophet of fire. He was the guy that called down fire from heaven. He was, he was a really exciting, powerful, uh, He was just one of those guys that just stands out so much in the Old Testament Scriptures. And what I want to do today is show you how that uh, we can be used of God, maybe not exactly like Elijah, But there's another character in this story, another person in this biblical story that's like you and me. It's just, she's a widow lady. She's she's just a normal person. Okay? Just like most of us are normal people. There are some people in this world who are extremely talented, and, and God uses those talents for God. But there's a lot of us who, you know, we're everyday people. And you know what? Everyday people do great things when they follow God. And I want to show you that from this passage of Scripture. So I'm just going to read a few verses, and as we get into the message, we'll go to some others. But we're going to start in verse number 2 of 1 Kings chapter 17. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kireth that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee There. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Kirith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now let's pray for just a moment. Father, I pray you'd bless your word. I pray you'd use it today to challenge our hearts. Lord, help us to have the faith to believe that you can do great and mighty things. And I pray that that New Life Baptist Church will experience more of the blessing of God. Lord, that they will continue to grow in grace and knowledge. They will continue to grow in their family and their friends and their folks getting saved to the glory of God. And that, Lord, You will provide for them what they need to build those things that You would have them to build. And, Lord, we'll give You praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what I want to do, I want to take... There's three things to the message, okay? A lot of preachers, there's three... three Three poems and a song. You're not going to get a song from me, okay? You wouldn't want a song from me. But anyway, uh, there, there are three parts to this thing, okay? they are the types of people that God can use. they are the type of places that God can use. And there's the provisions that God will use. We're going to start with the type of people that God can use. In this story, we just read about Elijah. Now, if you look a little further down, it talks about Elijah being fed at a place called Zarephath. And in verse number 9, it says that God told him to get there. And he said, dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. You know, when I was studying this, I was circling some words. And the words were there. In verse number four, the word there uh, down here. In verse number six, twice the word there. In other words, he was had or he had been where God wanted him. Now there's a place where God wants him to go. Okay, we need to be where God wants us to be. And when God moves, He wants to move us. Now I don't mean by that, please don't misunderstand. I don't mean by that leave here and go anywhere. I'm talking about that piece of property that your pastor and I prayed over uh, a couple of years ago. That's down the road from here. Okay, that vision that he has for what God is wanting to do through you and his, for His glory. And so there are types of people that God can use. And there are spiritual giants. Elijah was a spiritual giant. Now, you know, there are some men, I suppose, in our world today that could possibly looked upon as spiritual giants, but I don't consider myself that. And I know Pastor Ray well enough to know that he wouldn't consider himself to be that. What he would consider himself to be is God's servant, which is the way we look at it. A pastor is a servant of the Lord. And and his burden and his desire and his heart is to do what God wants him to do. And number one, that is to see people saved by the grace of God. And to see those people that get saved to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And to see those people bring up their children in the house of God so that they too can pass it on from generation to generation until the Lord comes. But what begins to happen here like it happened at our church down in Marana? God began to bless and while Pastor Ray was there the youth group grew and grew and grew and I mean we had like 35 and 40 kids in his youth group his teen group and and, and we had, the church kept growing it got above 200 got 230 we'd have special days and we'd have 350 360 people and, and and our building our building was officially cuz you can't always go by the county when you're a pastor I know you should but our building was had a capacity of I think 90 and Every Sunday, pretty much, we would have about 125 or 130 in the auditorium and another 70 over in the children's buildings and the teens and everything. And, and, and God kept doing that. And so it became apparent that we need to move. We need to move at least to another place or at least a bigger place. And having talked to Pastor the other day when we were at Cracker Barrel, you guys need to expand. And I know that this property is, is a blessing to you, but God has great things in store. And God wants to do those things. So here we see the man of God is where he's supposed to be. Elijah is where he's supposed to be. Pastor Ray has been here where God called him to be. And in his time here, God has provided for him and God has blessed him. God's provided for you and blessed you. Now, I don't advise you to uh, take... Raven food for breakfast this morning. I I don't think that would be a good thing. But in our passage, it talks about how that God would send a raven there at the brook, which is out in the middle of nowhere, to provide him for bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And of course, the brook had the water to sustain him. And he was there for possibly a year. This goes on for about a year. And we see three things about this man. Number one, he's obedient to God. The man of God has to be obedient to the will of God. He went where God told him to go, didn't he? He's doing what God told him to do. In this case, in Elijah's case, it was to be patient. Pastor's case is to get busy for the Lord. But to do what God asked him to do. Secondly, he's to be a man of power. That is, he's not to be power in himself, but he's to be dependent upon the power of God. That God would motivate him and move him and teach him and show him the things that he needs to do. And you do that, he needs to be a man of prayer. He needs to be a man of prayer. Imagine that you pray. you, you guys live in the desert. I've lived here 30-some years before I left last December. Uh, it's not unusual to get a rain. I remember, I think it was just a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, Marana got two inches for the whole year we got two inches of rain. <laughs> I mean, you might as well be in the Sahara just about. I mean, it was just awful. But the good thing was we still had wells and we still had water. But the idea was that God provided those things. But he prayed, and he prayed that it might not rain. Later on, he'll pray that it brings down fire out of heaven. And then fourthly, we see a man, the Bible describes him as being subject to like passions as we are. In other words, the the passion or the idea or the things that motivate him. God even takes the book of James in the New Testament. You don't have to turn there, but just write it down and you can read it again later. I'll read it now. But in James chapter 5 and verse 17, God tells uh, the story of Elijah. He says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. In other words, the Bible was saying that, that Elijah was God's man, but really he was no different than any other man when it came right down to his humanity. Now, he was a man that was so submitted to God that God could use him in a greater capacity than he would ever be able to use me. and Maybe where he could ever use you, but I'm not going to judge that. That's between you and God. But he still was a man subject to like passions as we are. In other words, he could get happy. He could get angry. He could do all the things that we do. But it says, and he prayed earnestly. That's important. If you would underline that word when you get there, earnestly. That it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years... And six months, so for three and a half years, Casa Grande got no rain. Imagine that. No rain. Then he goes on to say, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Because he was obedient to God and doing God's will, what God told him to do, God blessed him and God answered his prayers. Your pastor, and I believe you, are praying even now for God to provide that which you need, which is going to be a place of your own one of these days. And so we see this spiritual leadership that came from Elijah and the spiritual leadership that should come from the pastor and the people that are the leaders of this congregation. Secondly, we see in the next aspect of this story is the lady. Now, we're going to jump around because we're going to go from the guy to the lady. Then we'll go from this town to that town, that kind of thing. But the lady, she's she's a widow lady. The Bible describes her that way. When he says in verse 9, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, most men, most men, I think, have a touch of pride about them. A touch of, I can do it, or I'll do it myself. I don't need necessarily, okay, whatever it might be. And I don't mean by that that we're so arrogant that we can't. But what I'm saying is, we would rather sustain our own family than have somebody else do it for us. We would rather provide for our own family than have some... What kind of a husband am I? What kind of a dad am I if I don't take care of my wife and I don't take care of my kids? That's kind of the way that I see it and I think most men see it that way. But now God's telling this man to go to a widow lady and she's going to take care of you. Most men I know would look at that and say, No, Lord. No, 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 no. By the way, you know, when I first read this a long time ago, I thought she was older. For somehow I missed it. But it talks about her having a son, an only son, and he's not a very old son according to the context of the story. So she's probably not that very old. Maybe in her 30s. Maybe in most in her 40s. And whatever it might be, but he's going to have to go and ask this lady to provide his food and lodging for he only knows how long. You know, God will sometimes call upon people to provide that you wouldn't think could do it. When we did our building, Pastor Ray knew he was a part of that, I think, and helping us and praying for us and even sending some money to us. And and we were doing this for our building and we needed a million dollars. We needed at least a million dollars. And uh, banks wouldn't give it to us. We couldn't get a loan. We didn't have that kind of credit, even though we had a lot of people. We couldn't get it. So we prayed and we prayed and we began to give and to give and to give. And we knew that it was going to take time and we had to be patient. And I know you guys have been patient if you have to take time. But as you do that, it's important for us to understand that my God is able to supply my needs. So therefore, if God's supplying my needs and I'm doing my best to supply the needs of my church, then God will not only bless me, but my church. And it was really surprising to me when, when the treasure would come to me And I'd ask her not to tell me, but when she would come to me and tell me, somebody just sent a check for $40,000. And again, don't tell me. I don't want to know who it is. Somebody sent me a check for $30,000. Somebody that a lot of you would know, and I guess I can tell this story now. They came to our church one Sunday. They knew what we were doing. We were overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. These people were the leaders of a big Bible college in Pensacola, Florida. Okay? And, and they came into the Sunday school class. And my wife taught the Sunday school lesson. And he was in there. I, I'll never forget my wife when, when you know, she's coming to go to the Sunday school class. My wife is is real punctual. If church is at 9.30, she gets there at 9.28, okay? She doesn't get there at 9.15, 9.28. And so she comes out of the car, around the front of the building. I'm standing there. Honey, I need to talk to you. I got to get to class. I know, I'll walk with you. Walking with her, I'm like, honey, listen, when you get to class, just so you know, okay? When you get there, (laughs) uh, the lady from Pensacola is going to be there. She's like, oh, I don't have time for this. I said, I'm telling you, she's sitting in your class. She walks in there and there she is. And she's like, oh. (laughs) So anyway, so after Mrs. Horton, she, she said hello to her and everything. She did her lesson. They got along really well. After the preaching service. And by the way, let me just tell you how God works. When that couple came, they were coming to Tucson to see a friend of theirs that they'd known for years. But that man had resigned from that church and moved back to Colorado. So he was not there. And so I think they got information from somebody back in Pensacola that there was a church close by that had about 12 kids going to college at Pensacola right now. So what better place to go than a church doing that? So they came. When the service was over, they wanted to take us out to eat. We went out to eat and they agreed to meet with us again the next day because they wanted to pray about something. So the next day, they prayed about something. They wanted to give us some money for this project that we had told them about. Now, I'm, I'm just telling a story, but I'm preaching a message too because I'm, I'm showing you that God can supply the need sometimes from places you never dreamed. You never dreamed. And I can tell this now. I know she's gone home to be with the Lord. And I never, we never told this to our people. And just actually after she passed, we needn't tell our people where it came from. But the next week, I got a check in the mail for $100,000 to go toward that building. See Now, what I'm saying is, that's what God can do. God did that. You know, you could give them the praise, but I guarantee you, He's telling you today, He didn't do that, God did that. And that's what's going to happen here at New Life. If you will be obedient to God, and submissive to God, and listen to God, God will provide. He will. I don't know how He will, but I know that He will. And so here He provides, through somebody you would never imagine, providing food and, 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 and shelter for this man of God. And this woman's not even saved. She's not even Jewish. And and yet, she obeyed. The Bible says here in our text, in, in um, verse number 10, uh, it says that He, he came to the He Behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. He called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it. Now think about this. If you were here and and you know you lived in a town where there was the you know maybe the uh, fountain in the well somewhere close by you could go dip a bucket and get some water and that kind of thing because water is down the ground you can get it so that wasn't such a big challenge was it She's got to go to the she's going anyway so go get some water She goes to get the water and as she was going verse eleven says as she was going to fetch it he called to her and said. Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread. Now, I don't know how much a morsel is. I don't guess as much. But a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said... Now, this is interesting to me because there were no introductions as far as I know. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth... Now, number one, obviously, she could recognize something about Him and let her know that He was Jewish. Okay? But secondly, she knew that that was the God of the Jews... And she said, as the Lord thy God. Not my God. As the Lord thy God liveth. I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Her husband's been dead probably for a long time. What little she had has been consumed. There's almost nothing left. And he's asking her to give him first. Give Him first. Do we put God first in our life? Now, I know Elijah's not God. But do we put God first in our life? Because I think that's the thing that's so important about what God is going to do. If we put God first in our life about the things that God wants to do with our life, God will bless us. She put the man of God first. She obeyed. She did what the prophet told her to do. She trusted God. Number one, you need to be a person that will trust God And say, God, use me in some capacity like you did. Use me. Secondly, there's the type of places that God can use. These places in our text, the town is called Zarephath. The place where he was was called Cherith. Now, Cherith is a brook, okay? So it's not even a town. He's out in there. I've been to Israel. We got the blessing of being able to go to Israel several years ago. My wife and I, with some of our church family and I've been to some aspects and parts of their desert. And i tell you what, it, I, I know when I came to Arizona, I thought this desert was bad. Believe me, out there, it's unbelievably awful. Remember the story of Jesus going up on the mountain, you know? I think of a mountain, you know, and I think of the hills of West Virginia or the mountains of Arizona, you know, and the trees and the rocks and all this. And, and just outside of Jericho, there's this mountain. They say it's the mountain that Jesus went up on. And it's dirt and dirt. And more dirt all the way to the top, dirt. That's where he was. That's where he was. See, God, th- th- God doesn't just say, I'm going to get, make it nice and cozy and comfortable. And Jesus didn't have it nice and cozy and comfortable. And you remember, he was up there all that time without any food or out any water for 40 days, 40 nights. All that. But Kirith was a brook. It was a place where that God was going to humble the man of God. Because it wasn't just enough that he was going to have to sit there in the middle of nowhere by himself. But God was going to supply his food through a creature like a raven. Now, I don't, I mean, I've seen ravens and I know they're big birds and and I wouldn't want to mess with them if they were coming at me or anything like that. But would you take food that came perhaps from a bird's mouth? Because, see, I was thinking about this morning after I preached the first time and I thought, did he bring it in his beak or in his paw, in his claws? But I got to think about that. The Bible says that he brought him. Bread and flesh. So one of those was in his claws and one of those things was in his mouth. Yeah. And he said, well, maybe they were both in one in this claw and one in that. I don't care what it was. I mean, I'm telling you something. There's some foods I don't eat because they don't smell right. There's some foods I don't eat because they don't look right. And I know that we're spoiled something awful about things like that. But what was he doing? Again, I believe that God was humbling the man of God. He was humbling Elijah. I mean, this guy just told the king of all the land. He said in verse 1, It will not rain but by my word. I mean, he, you, you, can you imagine those old... You've seen those pictures on old TV shows or something like that. You know, the king's sitting on the throne. There's this guy with a sword over here and this guy with a spear over here. And, and, you know, they're all getting ready to kill anybody that tries to get close to the king. And, and, and you know, he's up on the platform bigger than this and, and, and he just, maybe at the base of it or something, he stands and he looks up at him and he just tells him, it's not going to rain but by my word. He turns around and walks out. And I'm thinking, it had to be God. Those guys had to be so stunned... Either they were so stunned or it was just God. Because when he walked out. And you know what they probably did when he walked out? What do you think he did? I bet you they laughed. I bet you. They, I mean, he'd come in there. He's a wild man. He, his clothing and things, we read about Elijah. He's kind of a wild looking guy. Looks like, you know, Daniel Boone with bear skin or something on him. And that's about it. And, 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 and he just walks out. But after a few months when it didn't rain. And after about a year when it didn't rain. All of a sudden things, business got serious then. Because God was doing something. God was doing something. He was using this man of God. John Milton, who was a famous writer back years ago, he made this statement when he was blind and in his old age, he said this He said, They also serve who only stand and wait. In other words, the reason I put that in here is this that we have to be patient. We have to be patient. We want a building, or we want this, or we want that. We want God to do this, and we want God to do that. But we need to be patient and wait upon the Lord. At at Kirith, God cut off the connections. He had nobody. It was an isolated place. He was all alone. There's a great preacher from the 19th century named William Taylor. He pastored in New York City. Wrote a lot of good commentaries about people in the Bible. In one of his books... I read this this quote. He said, The man that is alone with himself has probably the worst of all companions. Now, Elijah was alone, in a sense, all by himself. But he goes on to say, He who is alone with God has certainly the best. And Elijah, when he was out there, he still knew God was there for him. And I want you to know that if you're sincere and you want what God wants and you want to see God do what God can do, then God will be there for you, and God will be there with you. No, He's not a bodily presence, but the Holy Spirit of God who lives within you, who are saved by the grace of God, He is there to lead you and guide you into all truth, and to show you things, to help you with things, so that you can know what it is that God's wanting to do with your life, and with your ministry, if you have some aspect of ministry in this church. Kirith was a place that cuts away our self-confidence, our self-sufficiency. Elijah had to depend on the brook. He had to depend on the raven. He had nothing else to depend on but that and God. And he could ask himself as he watched that brook get smaller and smaller and smaller. It's like, uh, Lord, uh, uh, Lord, uh, is it time for it to rain? You know, I, I can imagine I'd be, I'd be out there. and I'm, I know after I started seeing the water start to go down a little bit, I would be like... Uh, Lord, today I'm praying, yeah, I will be done. Is it time for it to rain yet? Uh, Lord, the water's about gone. Lord, is it time for it to rain yet? You know I, that, That's me. Now, that's not saying that was Elijah, but that's me. What's going on? But God, finally, God said, get up, leave. I'm going to take you somewhere else. And so he leaves there. God was doing all this, this cutting, if you will. Kirith means cutting place. He sends him to Zarephath. Zarephath, actually, according to what you look at, is a refining place. Now, when you're refining something, you're trying to make it better, nicer, maybe more expensive to sell, I don't know, but you're trying to improve it, okay? And so, Zarephath is the refining place where that he and this lady are going to be changed through what God does in their life forever. You know, when you got saved by the grace of God, God changed your life forever. I didn't get saved until I was 25 years old. I grew up in church. My parents went to, my my mother especially, but my mother went to a Baptist church. I've got pictures of me and my brother when we're like four and three years old in our Easter costumes. Man, I was sharp. I had a a hat. I mean, I looked good going to church as a four-year-old. And we went to that church most of my life. And you know, I graduated from high school and moved to Michigan, and I was not saved I heard revivals. I heard preaching. I heard Sunday school lessons. I knew do all that stuff. When we got saved, I was, working, going, I was going to school at a place called West Virginia University. My wife was not working. I was working and going to school. And, and I came home, and, and, and she told me these people would come to our house. They were Jehovah's Witnesses. It was our landlord, and she was Jehovah's Witness. And she was talking to my wife and telling my wife all these things. And, and my wife starts telling me. She said this, because my wife was praying, just really seeking what God wanted with her life, because she wasn't saved either. And she began to tell me what the Jehovah's Witness lady told her. And I said, that's not what the Bible says. And I said, the Bible says this. She told me something else. I said, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this. And we went through that for about four or five things. And all of a sudden, my wife looks at me and she goes, how is it that you know all this about the Bible, but you're not saved? I didn't have an answer for that. I had an answer for all those other things have an answer for that. Do you have an answer for that if you're not saved today? Do you have an answer for that? If your wife's begging you about why you're not saved, your husband's begging you about why you're not saved, or you're begging your kids about why they're not saved, have you ever thought about that? Why? Why? Well, usually, sometimes it is because of pride and self-sufficiency and so forth. But the point here is God was humbling these dear people. God sometimes will humble us to get us to where He needs us to be. And he did that for him. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your faith will be tested. You're a Christian, you're saved by the grace of God, you belong to the Lord. And if you think nothing bad's ever going to happen to you, you're wrong. I can remember. And my wife's not in here, and I'm glad in a way. But years ago, we were down there, and everything was going so good. Everything was good. Brother Ray had left. He was an evangelist. I got a new guy. This guy was good. We were, the church was still growing. We were still going. We needed a building. God was supplying. God was doing this. God was doing that. And I remember one day, sitting down with my wife, and we'd gone through so many things with so many people. And I said, honey, have you ever thought about, it's like, we've never had any Problems, heartaches. I mean, God's always supplied our needs. Everything's been good and so on and so on and so on. And just a couple of years later, in an accident, our son was killed with his own gun. He had passed out and fell and the gun discharged. Don't ever think, don't ever think that you're too precious that God can't touch you with something that shows you, get the pride out of your life, Stephen. Get the pride out of your heart, Stephen. God has a way of getting our attention. And I'm not saying that God wants to do that or God has to do that. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that that every one of us go through times in our life when there's tests and there's trials. And your test and your trial are things where God's trying to get your attention sometimes. God's not just interested in the beginning of our faith. He's interested in the development and the refinement of our faith. He's interested in us growing in our faith. And you guys are growing numerically. And God is wanting you to grow spiritually. And I'm not saying you are or you're not. Your pastor could tell you that. But I'm just a guest. But I guarantee you, there's a lot of you in here that you've been growing in the Lord. You've been listening to the man of God as he preached to you. And the Sunday school lessons were taught to you. And you're growing in the Lord. And you're growing more and more about the Lord. And that's what God is wanting. And that's what God is using. And so God, He's been testing your faith. By where he's put you. Now lastly, there's the provisions that God can use. It's amazing the things that God does use. At Kirith, we talked about that a little bit. At the brook, he used the brook itself and he used a raven. The brook provided the water for, for I don't know, I, I think if it didn't rain for three and a half years, most people say he was there for a year. So, so for a whole year it hasn't rained, but he's had water to drink. And the raven, every day the raven came. Every evening the raven came. Every day God supplied His need. And we say that and we preach that and we say that we believe that. But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory. You have to believe that. You must believe that. It's true. God will supply our needs. That doesn't mean that you don't go through tough times. But God will Supply the need. At Zarephath, he supplied an empty cruise, an empty vessel. You know, He just said she had this empty thing and there was almost nothing in it, just a little bit of grain down in the bottom of it. But every day when she went out there and whatever she used to scoop it out, maybe she just poured it into her hand, but every day as she reached down in there and she scooped out that, that grain and got it out there to start making bread, it was there. She'd go back the next day and it was there. And it was there. Now I want you to know something. That the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, lives within you, and every day He is there. Every day He's there. Every day He's there for you and me. Every day as you pray, He's there to lead us and guide us into things that God wants us to do. A little oil in a vessel. Do you know that you're God's vessel? You're God's vessel. Over in Timothy, the Bible talks about you know God's children, God's people, and in Second uh, Timothy chapter two and verse twenty. The Bible says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. God does a refining process in us to make us what we need to be so that He can use us. And sometimes we go through difficulty. And that difficulty is something that God uses to get us to the place where that He wants us to be. At Zarephath, He was doing that for them. And a little as much when God is in it. But there's the power of the littles. The little bit of bread. The little bit of water. The little bit of time. And God began to do that. But then there was one last thing. And this thing I touched on kind of already. In the passage, in the story, in verse 17. And this you, see this, you see this all the time. In verse 7, the turning point at the brook, and it came to pass that the brook dried up. Now, in verse 17, after the two and a half years or so that he's been in Zarephath, in verse 17 it says, and it came to pass. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman the mistress of the house fell sick and his sickness was so sore and there was no breath left in him he died the little boy died after all this the little boy died she had supplied the water and she'd supplied the food Elijah had been faithful after all this, I'm sure after two and a half years, I mean, you know, some, some of us preachers can be kind of standoffish. Uh, your pastor is not one of those, that's for sure. He's about the most outgoing guy I think I'd ever met when I was in the ministry, the early days of my pastorate. Uh, but, but, you know, some people don't. But Elijah has this prophet of fire aspect about him. But I believe that after a while... You got a a boy that's maybe 10 or 12 or 13 years old and he's around all the time and and I'm sure that he got to the place where that that little boy was special to him too. He had no family so far as we know. And so we see that the Bible says that this boy died. And she came, the Bible says in verse 18, to Elijah and she said, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God, art thou coming to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Now, that's an awful thing to have happen. I've experienced it, so I know. And I hope you never have to experience that. But there are things that happen in your life that kind of turn your world a little bit upside down, get everything a little bit out of kilter for you. There's this or that's going on in your life, and you think, Lord, I'm, I'm faithful to my church, I support my pastor, I love my family, I'm, I'm working hard at my job, and now i got this. But you see... There's nothing that says everything's always going to be good. There's always going to be, everything's going to be perfect in your life. And she says, what have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Out there come to call my sin to remembrance. You know, that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior right now, the Holy Spirit of God wants to call your remembrance the sin that does so easily beset you, the thing that has hindered you from getting saved. Or the thing maybe that's hindered you, it may not be sin, but the thing that's hindered you from stepping up and saying, you know what, I'm going to get more involved in the things of God. I'm going to do more to help Pastor Ray. I'm going to do more to help new life. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. To step up. To step up. Because God wants to use you for His honor and glory and do the things that He wants to do here. But what He did in this woman's case was to bring her to repentance. And that's what the preacher does every Sunday. Every time he preaches, he wants you and me. He wants us to repent, to turn away from the things that are hindering us. Maybe the sin that does so easily beset us, and the things that keeps us from living for God, to repent, to turn from those things. But you say, well, yeah, 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 yeah. She, she talks about her sin. She says, she called my son, my sin to remembrance and to slay my son. Verse 19, he said, give me, thy son. He was God's man. He was a powerful prophet. He was right with God. There was not anything in his life that said, boy, well, this is happening to you to teach you a lesson. It wasn't necessary to teach him that lesson. But what it was to do was to stretch his faith. To stretch his faith. Our faith can be tested from time to time to believing what it is that God can do and will do. And, and, and as the pastor leads and, and tries to teach us things, Sometimes we might think in ourselves, well, we can't do that. Well, we won't be able to do that. But that's not the attitude we need to have. The attitude we need to have is that God willing, if that's the will of God, by the grace of God, we can do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think because God wants me to do that. And so here we see the man of God. This has never happened. Nobody's ever been raised from the dead. One fellow didn't ever die. Back in the early part of Genesis, chapter 5, I believe it is. He never died, but nobody, nobody ever came back from the dead yet. But he goes up to his room. The Bible says he carried him up to the loft in verse number 19 where he abode. He laid him on his own bed. He laid him on the bed that he had. He laid him down there. The Bible says he cried. Unto the Lord. I know that that word cried can mean that he cried out, but I believe after all that time with that little boy, I believe he cried as he cried out. He cried unto the Lord, said, Oh Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? Oh Lord, surely, Lord, he wouldn't do that. There must be something here. In his mind, I believe Elijah thought there must be something here. Surely the Lord would not do that. The Bible says in verse number 21, and he stretched himself. I believe that, you know, the Bible, there's an easy context to see when you read something sometimes, and I think sometimes there's another context that you see in that. And the Bible says that he stretched himself. I believe he stretched his body, yes, but I believe he stretched himself. And he asked God for something that no man had ever asked for before and gotten. That rain, that rain, God told him to come and tell the king that it wasn't going to rain. God told him that it wasn't going to rain. God never told him the little boy was going to die. God never told him that the little boy was going to raise from the dead. God never told him that. But he stretched his faith. He stretched himself. And he believed that God can do all things. And he cried out to God. God. And ask God to do something that nobody else could do. And that was to give that little boy life. I pray thee, he says in verse 21, let this child's soul come unto him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. You know what? God hears your cry. God hears your voice. If you're His child and you belong to Him, you don't have to yell. You don't have to scream. You can even pray silently. But as you pray and seek the Lord and ask God for help, our God is able. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to get the answer right away. And please don't misunderstand. It does not mean that I think I can raise somebody from the dead. Nobody can raise somebody from the dead in that sense except God. But what it means is this. That you will experience times in the weeks and months ahead where your faith is going to be tested. And it's got to be that you look to God. Look to God. I believe personally that this widow lady, at the end of the story, after the child is raised from the dead, the Bible says in verse 24, the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God. And I know that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. She believed what God said. She believed the word of God. God can use any person, in any place, in anything. And that means new life. God can. God will if He has people who are willing to submit themselves to say, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do what God wants us to do.
0: Let's pray. Father, thank You for the word of God. We want to thank you for joining us on the NLBC Podcast today. We hope that God will allow this message to truly make a difference in your life. As you learn more about Him and as you study His Word, we pray that it will cause you to live out the gospel in a whole new way. Again, if you would like to connect with us, feel free to reach out by visiting our website at newlifecasagrande.com. If you are local to the Casa Grande area, then we would love to have you join us in person. We have services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. each Sunday morning with a host of other opportunities to develop a godly community to learn and to grow. We'll see you next week on the New Life Baptist Church podcast.